listening to a sermon podcast from St. Benedict's Table, a congregation of the Anglican Church of Canada located in Winnipeg, Manitoba. Come Holy Spirit, come like the fire and burn, come like the wind and cleanse, convict, convert, and consecrate our hearts for our great good and thy great glory. Amen. The temptation account in the Gospel of Mark is the shortest in all the Gospels. There is a chance that if you let your mind drift for only a second, or if you're on live stream and you got up to get a half a glass of water, you'll have missed it. The whole scene of the temptation beginning to end goes like this. And the Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. He was in the wilderness 40 days, tempted by Satan. And he was with wild beasts, and the angels waited upon him. And then it immediately continues to say that after John was arrested, Jesus went out preaching in Galilee. We do not get any information about what those 40 days in the wilderness might have been like from Mark, other than the fact that there were wild beasts and angels. And as for the wild beasts, it's wondered whether they were friendly or hostile. Some folks think that they were friendly because this was the moment when Jesus himself started putting things back to rights. And so befriending the animals was the first step along the journey. Other folks think that the wild beasts were hostile. After all, they were wild and he was in the wilderness. And the wilderness is always depicted as a place of loneliness and hostility of testing. And both groups have pretty solid scriptural references to back up their claims. So it's anybody's guess. But what this does is it gives us a little bit of liberty to imagine what might have happened out in the desert for those 40 days what the temptations were, how those conversations might have gone. Because we will all have our own conversations while in the wilderness, and they surely will relate to the three that Jesus had that are reported in the other Gospels. But they will have their own particular flavor. Mark gives us a chance to insert our own experiences, our own conversations into that scene, and then have Jesus come up with the answer for us. And that answer will end up sounding something like, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is drawn near, through me you are free from sin. And this is what Matilda of Magdeburg did in her retelling of the account of the temptations in in the wilderness. Matilda was a mystic from the 13th century 
She was a Saxon of noble birth, but at the age of 23, she renounced all of her worldly possessions and joined a lay religious movement, not an order. An order lives in a group, but a movement is just sort of a group of people living dispersed from each other, living a particular kind of rule. So she joined this lay religious movement called the Begin, and she wrote a book called The Flowing Light of the Godhead. And in that book, she wrote down her visions that she had had daily from when she was 12 to 42. Not all of them, but she daily had visions for 30 years. This is how the shape of the temptations in the wilderness played out for her. When the soul, and she refers to herself as the soul, when the soul looked up upon the terribly hideous devils, she shivered a little, commended herself to our Lord, and quite freely accepted them. The one devil is a receiver with beautiful angelic garments. Oh, what a lot of false cunning he presented to me first, saying, I am so beautiful, don't you want to worship me? And the soul replied, God alone shall we worship. Then he said, don't you want to look up and see who I am? Because in the lower air, he displayed a beautifully radiant sham. A sham's kind of like an extravagant decorative pillow that you sit on, which would have seduced many heretics. And he said, in the throne room upon this seat, you alone will be the most exalted virgin, with me the fairest youth next to you. But she replied, a person would be wise not to take the worst when she could easily achieve the best. Then he said, since you do not want to surrender yourself to me, you are so holy and so humble, then I shall worship you. And she said, no grace shall be given you because you worship me. The exchange continues for a while until she finally writes, his idle talk annoyed her greatly. Nevertheless, she listened to it freely so that she might become more shrewd. You are telling me that uh, you are telling me that you are God, when then tell me, who then is the son of the living God? And then the devil went to depart. And guess what happens next? She said, by the almighty God, I admonish you that you listen to me now. I know your intentions. If I were to tell everyone the secrets of my heart, things would be quite nice for me in the short term, but then you would intently strive to make the fun end badly. You would do this that I might fall into doubt, sadness, unbelief, impurity, and therefore into everlasting anguish. Another reason you are doing this is so that I might imagine that you come to me because I am so holy. Ha! You arch deceiver, as long as God stands by me, all your efforts are for naught. I mean, 
<laughs> That's incredible. This retelling, it seems quite different from the recorded conversations of Jesus in the wilderness, but in the end, it's, it's not so different. Matilda is deep in the wilderness with these two devils. They're working to draw her away from the love of God by both temptations of the flesh with beautiful clothing and of the spirit with places of honor and adoration that she would be elevated to. And in the end, she stops them from leaving after they realized that they'd failed and they had no chance so she could admonish them. Not only is she standing in and exercising the power against Satan that Jesus won for her and for us, one for us beginning on that day and finally when he left the empty tomb. She echoes the way that Jesus taught in the other Gospels, turning down the beautiful garments instead of bread being made from, rock, from rocks, turning down the beautiful garments for clothes of a servant, and turning down the place of honor of, and worship instead of political rule for a place at Jesus' feet. Would it have been easy for her to rebuke that temptation all the time? No. Of course not. She herself says it in her book that she is not the Holy One. She understands her brokenness and her faults. But she also understands the power against sin that she has been given through Christ. So as we start our move into the wilderness, into this time of Lent, we are sure to come up against our own particular challenges of sin in the wilderness. And by God's grace, Mark gives us, because of his complete lack of detail, Mark gives us the space to locate our challenges in the desert with Jesus. Matthew and the other gospel writers tell us how Jesus overcame through faith in God alone and living by scripture, scriptures, how he overcame the devil and the temptations in the wilderness. So Mark lets us place ourselves there. Matthew gives us the answer key. And Matilda gives us a fiery witness of what it looks like to put those two together. And again, this does not mean that she did not have to wrestle through her own wilderness. She speaks of that. But it does mean that she, like us, can enter into the wilderness to wrestle with our sin and our temptations, confident that Jesus had tread the path before us, defeated every foe, and will carry us through the darkness into the hope and the light of the resurrection. Amen. This has been a sermon podcast from St. Benedict's Table. For information on our church and to access the full catalog of our podcasts going all the way back to 2006, visit us online at stbenedictstable.ca. In addition, if you are interested in supporting our online work, 
You can find information on the website using the Donate button located on the top right-hand corner. Thanks for listening.